This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Literati, a comedy podcast about the greatest American novels never written. I'm your host, Colin O'Brien. Now, unfortunately, my co-host, Michael Wolf couldn't be here tonight. He's feeling a bit under the weather, but we felt it was important to press on and do the show. I'm not exaggerating when I say that this podcast has literally tens of subscribers, and we know you count on these new episodes being released on time, so... We're going to move forward. Now, we have an amazing author for you a little later in the show, but right now, I wanted to start off the way we always do, by discussing the fundamentals of writing. A lot of you listeners are aspiring writers, so you probably know that one of the most important elements of writing that every good book needs is the element of... Surprise! <laughs> Whoa! Michael Wolf. Co-host of this show who's been here every episode? What are you doing here? I thought you were sick. Oh, did I get your attention? <laughs> yes, that's right. Surprise is the most important part of every book. <laughs> oh, wow. So you made a fool of me in order to make a point. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. And here I was about to say that the most important part of writing was something stupid and boring like developing and sticking to a daily regimen in order to build discipline and hone your craft. But surprise, that's way cooler. Yes, you know, just like in writing a book, the best way to win a crowd is to trick your audience. When someone is reading your novel, they're going to want to stop reading because of the nature of how difficult and boring words are. So you have to keep them invested and... And keep them on their toes. That's right. Don't be afraid to make a good character suddenly become a bad character, and then vice versa, for like no reason. Maybe print an entire chapter of the book in Spanish, or hide a bunch of worms between the pages. As long as your audience is surprised, then they'll be entertained. Now, you have to be wary of the typical traps that writers fall into that can lead to very boring books. Don't be fooled by scholars that tell you readers appreciate logic and consistency and can see right through cheap gimmicks. <coughs> oh my god. Michael, are you alright? No, Colin. Uh, I'm dying. Wow. What a twist. And I'm your father. See? Wasn't that exciting? It sure was. Now all the readers are going to be on the edge <laughs> of their seats wondering if you'll be a good dad to me and if you'll come to my school play this Friday. I got the lead, Pops. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, this Friday? Uh-huh. Oh, uh, shoot. I I don't think I can. I, uh, I have a thing, so. Oh, okay. okay. I'll, I'll catch you the next one. Sure. Anyway, that's why the most important part of writing is the element of... Surprise! Whoa, Whoa what, what the... the... What's going on? Is this Mary's surprise birthday party? <laughs> oh, no, Mary Donovan... No, she lives down the hall. Oh, okay. Well, uh, have a fun thing. <laughs> okay, bye. bye. Well, that was unexpected. Now, as you all may or may not know, Colin and myself have each written and published hundreds of books. 
Some are long, some are short, but all of them are perfect. That being said, people will always find a way to knit and pick and tear away at your creation. These people are called book reviewers, and they're all evil, petty, reactionary, over-exaggerators who deserve to be burned alive. That being said, we also thought it might be cathartic to read some excerpts of reviews. You know, just take a break from the serious and heady nature of this show and just laugh. So we'll read reviews, and then Michael and I will laugh together like this. Ha, 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 so wrong. So this first one is a review of one of my earlier books titled, You're the Baby, I'm the Daddy. It was a parenting guide focused on establishing dominance over your brood. Here's the review. Mr. Wolf seems to not only lack any experience with children, but comes off as genuinely afraid of them. His main advice seems to be maintaining a distance of 15 yards between parent and child, keeping the hospital receipt in order to return the baby, and waving one's arms while shouting at the child so as to appear larger, as one might during a bear attack. Wolf also spends several chapters lamenting a woman named Myrtle, who seems to have dumped him in the 10th grade. Okay, I think we get the idea. <laughs> ha, 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 so wrong. It's funny to me how Yeah, well, it's is. obvious that the reviewer was just jealous because he's impotent. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> now, I wrote a very popular, largely ignored book a few years ago. This book wasn't so much a self-help book as it was a book of historical questions. Oh, that sounds interesting. And what does that mean? It means that the book was entirely questions I had about history. It was titled, Did Lincoln Like Snakes? And it included such groundbreaking questions as, Who invented the car? And where did they buy gas? Did JFK commit suicide? How do you know? Why are grandparents Irish? And... When did the moon start? Okay, now I'm intrigued. Who could say anything bad about that? It turns out many people could say bad things about that. Oh. Here's one of the reviews. I don't get it. How is this a book? It's just a series of questions that either don't make any sense or already have well-known answers. I mean, there's a whole chapter devoted to who was the first astronaut. And another devoted to did Harrison Ford invent the Model T Ford? We know that already. I think Colin O'Brien may have a serious neurological disorder. Oh, well, that seems rude. Yeah, and it was a deliberate choice not to have any answers in my book. They say, write what you know, and I only know what I don't know. And the things I don't know could fill a book. And so I did. That should be a book. It is. Ha, ha, ha. So wrong. Next up is the first novel I ever wrote, titled The Great Gatsby 2, Too Great, Too Die. Basically, it picks up where the last one ended. Gatsby is floating in his pool, face down, seemingly dead. But then he bursts up and reveals he was actually using a tiny snorkel. And him and Nick high-five and throw a crazy party and invite their friend Thomas Edison, who brings some MDMA he just invented. So you know it's pure. From there, they go on a rampage, just taking revenge on everyone who sucks. Pretty much just drunk driving from town to town, murdering losers. Oh, and then someone says, hey, calm down. This is the jazz age. And Gatsby grabs a flapper and says, oh, yeah? Well, I'm in a jazz rage. And then he bootlegs gin. Well, how were the reviews? Oh, there were none because I never actually wrote the book. Just sort of outlined it on note cards. But everyone I told about the book hated it. Ha, 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 so wrong. Huh, that's a shame. Sequels are almost always better than the original. Anyway, do you remember the late 90s when I tried to become a celebrity chef? 
Oh, yeah. There was that whole explosion of celebrity chefs, and you wanted to be part of it? Exactly. There was Emeril with his catchphrase, BAM! And I similarly had my cable access cooking show where I had my catchphrase, whoops, every time I mixed up the salt and the sugar. But that was about the time where I released my cookbook, The Soggy Loaf Chef, The Joys of Eating Wet Bread. The cookbook pretty much just shows you how to prepare bread in a style I learned from watching people feed ducks at the pond, where you simply soak bread in water until it's good and wet. And then... Bon appetit. Mm. That sounds gross. Oh, so you read the reviews? Ha, ha, ha. ha. So wrong. And then, of course, there was my book, Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man with a Rat Tail. How were the reviews? Well, Nash Jenkins of Time Magazine raved, Please leave me alone and get your book out of my face. No, I'm not going to read it. You have to stop crying. I don't care if you think the rat tail's making a comeback. I have better things to do. You have to stop crying. Go away. Ha, ha, ha. So wrong. <laughs> well, that's just a quick look at some of the many magnificent books we've written and the dumb, shitty reviews that fail to understand quite how smart we are. But now we're going to turn things over to our writer and reader for the day, who I'm sure only has positive reviews. You may know him from his Harry Potter fan fiction forums. But today, he's going to be reading from his novel, The Underwater World of Harold Peters. <laughs> Can't wait to see what that's about. Please... Prepare yourself for David Angeles. Hi, my name is David Angeles. You may know me from my 11-year term as president of Magic for Muggles, the Connecticut chapter of the Harry Potter Fan Alliance. You may know me from my acclaimed fan fiction on harryandhermineforever.net slash forums. But unlike what some people may think or post online, I have a life outside of Harry Potter and am actually excited to announce the completion of the first novel in a fantasy series of my own imagining. While this book is an original work of fiction, you may notice some allegories that allude to the Harry Potter universe. So look out for those Easter eggs, and without further ado, here's a little from a book called The Underwater World of Harold Peters. Chapter 6 Harold's summer at the Doonesby residence wasn't fun. The orphan's wicked aunt, uncle, and morbidly obese cousin were incredibly frightened by Harold, when earlier that summer they learned he was a magical mermaid. And out of fear, they ignored him. So Harold mainly kept to himself, bored and dreaming of the day he'd eventually go to Bogwarts, School of Mermaid Magic. On the last day in August, Harold went down to the living room to ask his uncle for a ride to the Connecticut Port Authority. Um... Uncle Victor, Harold said, I need a ride to the Connecticut Port Authority tomorrow to go to Bogwarts. Uncle Victor grunted out of frustration and probably because that's how he breathes because of his weight issues. Where is this Bogwarts anyway, he snarled. I don't know, said Harold, realizing this for the first time. He pulled out the ticket he'd received earlier that summer. It says I just take the ship from Seaport 9 and 3 quarters at 11 o'clock, Harold read. 9 and 3 quarters? What the heck are you talking about? He asked ignorantly. The next morning, they hit the road and arrived at the Connecticut Port Authority at 10 o'clock. Uncle Victor snorted. Well, there you are, boy. Seaport 9, Seaport 10. Your seaport should be somewhere in the middle, but they don't seem to have built it yet, do they? He laughed like an idiot. Harold felt himself turn red and shot back. You're just jealous because you're not a magical mermaid who gets to live underwater at Bogwarts. I hate you. You did a terrible job taking care of me for the past 11 years. I hate most moments from that experience. And right then and there, 
Uncle Victor collapsed and died of a heart attack. It was then that Harold learned the power of words. Anyways, as the EMTs removed Uncle Victor's hideous body from public view, Harold looked between Seaport 9 and Seaport 10, confused about what to do. But at that moment, Harold spotted an unusual bunch. A mother who was talking to four boys, all with flaming red hair. There was also a small girl named Jenny, a plain, emotionless stone Harold couldn't possibly ever be attracted to. Anyways, all of a sudden, the oldest boy of the bunch drove his card off the boardwalk and directly into the water. The boy did not surface. And one after one, Harold saw these orangutan-colored people disappear between the blue ocean surface. Then the woman caught Harold watching. Hello, dear, she said. First time at Bogwarts. Rupert's new, too. She pointed at the last and youngest of her sons. Rupert resembled a hideous, freckled toad, and like his sister, could not possibly ever be a serious love interest. In fact, Harold got really weird vibes from him right away. Harold knew right away that as a friend, Rupert would be a leech with little to no redeeming qualities, and if he ever tried acting, he would fail miserably. The woman kept talking. To get to the seaport, all you have to do is walk straight off the boardwalk between seaports 9 and 10. Don't stop, and don't be scared that you'll drown. Because if you're a real mermaid, you can breathe underwater. If not, you'll drown. Harold gulped as they all pushed their carts off the seaport. He felt the cool seawater take him in, and he immediately realized he could breathe underwater. Harold turned to give the woman a thumbs up for giving him good instructions, but she was busy shaking Rupert's cold, lifeless body. Rupert had drowned because he was not a true magical mermaid. His body sank to the bottom of the ocean. Anyways, a subway emblazoned with the name Bogwarts Express appeared before Harold. The first few cabins in the submarine were already packed with students. Then Harold found a cabin with just one person seated there, looking out the submarine porthole. Excuse me, is this occupied? Harold asked. The girl turned around, and Harold's jaw dropped. Even though she wore librarian clothes and had really untamed bushy hair, this nerdy girl was clearly very attractive underneath it all. No, not occupied at all, she replied with a British accent. I'm Emma Watson, by the way. Ha, 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 Harold, Peters, Harold replied nervously. The energy he felt between them made him blush and feel sexually aroused. No way, I've read all about you, she exclaimed adorably. I love books. Your life sort of reminds me of my favorite book series, Harry Potter. Harry Potter? What's that? Harold asked seriously. Emma Watson rummaged through her luggage and brandished a tome called Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Why don't you read some of it? Okay, Harold said, and Harold began. Chapter 1. The Boy Who Lived Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of Number 4 Privet Drive were proud to say they were perfectly normal, thank you very much. They were the last people you'd expect to be involved in anything strange or mysterious, because they just didn't hold with such nonsense. Wow, this is really good, Harold exclaimed. Keep going, Emma said cutely. And so Harold and Emma Watson finished the first Harry Potter book in its entirety and fell asleep cuddling. When the submarine came to a halt and jolted them awake, Harold looked outside the porthole and saw a narrow, seaweed-laden path that led to a vast sandcastle. Come along, let's go, said a familiar burly voice. It was Whalegrid from earlier that summer. Whalegrid, a half-man, half-whale, led all the first-year students to the sandcastle doors where they entered into a great hall. 
It was filled with chatter, really great energy, and delicious seafood. And at the end of the hall was a table with all the professors. There was one with black oily hair who seemed evil, but who was maybe a good guy all along. There was another with dwarfism, who was always seated next to Whalegrid for comical effect. And at the center was an older, bearded wizard. Emma Watson leaned into Harold. That's Professor Dimblewalt. He's the openly gay headmaster, and everyone is cool with that. End of chapter six. Thank you. David Angelis, thank you so much. Wow. Man, thank you for having me. Oh, of course. We are delighted to have you here. Uh, now, you, uh, before you started your reading, said that if we paid attention, there would be some uh, Harry Potter Easter eggs in your story. Now, I didn't hear any. But also, I have never read the Harry Potter books, so maybe maybe that's why I'm just missing I have it. to say, oh. I'm a huge fan. Oh, I have read God. them all start to finish. Me many, too. many times. I love them. Can't get enough. And I also did not see any Easter eggs. Really? Or hear any Easter eggs. Yeah. So, are you sure they were in that chapter that you read to us? You know, I go pretty light um, okay. with illusions because I don't want to seem super dependent on right. the original. Of, I mean, of on the text that inspire it. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. be heavy-handed. It's, it's better when it's just a subtle little wink for the knowing Yeah, Yeah, so reader. Like the reader can just be like, what? Was that? Wait a minute. Was that a? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess you guys get it. The yeah. question is, what did we miss? <laughs> okay. Um. Let's see. Well, I think they're sort of classic tales of a young boy just growing up and and learning to become a magical creature. Yes, that's one of the archetypes. Yep, it's an archetype. Um, and I guess you could say Whale Grid um, mm-hmm. is an allusion to Hagrid. Oh. Because whale, okay, so whale grid, it's like grid is sort of like a grin, and the mm-hmm. friendliest character in the Harry Potter universe is obviously Hagrid. Yes, right. and okay. oh, I remember he's attracted sexually to whales, and he'd always that, go yep. off, and he'd say, Harry would say, "Where are you going for the summer?" And Hagrid would say, "I'm going to go fuck a whale down at Wales." If I'm remembering correctly. Um. I don't know. Now, I don't, I don't is, like that interpretation, but... Is okay. Wales also like a magical place? Wales like the country? Yeah, or? is it like a made-up country where like whales run the land? Is you that? know, I, this sounds like the beginning of a novel. Please answer the question. I don't know. Okay. Wales is not a magical place. <laughs> what about um, uh, Norfolk? Norfolk? Norfolk. Also, I think just normal world place. What about I mean, Scotland? Scotland? Yeah. Potentially, I think just a world place. It's cool. just. A, and we just have a couple more here. Normal place. Uh, what about France? Not magical. Not magical. What about New Guinea? I, you know, I can't really speak to, uh, to New Guinea at all. Okay. okay. That does it for my question. You're done? Yeah. You guys are done? Oh, um, here was some question I had. Uh, now, in the book, you refer to it as nine and three quarters in the platform. And yep. then um, that mean uncle says it should be somewhere in the middle. Now, isn't it true that if it's nine and three quarters, it should actually be somewhere between the middle and the right-hand side and not somewhere in the middle, but somewhere 
uh, veering closer to three quarters of the way through. I mean, I, I'm just confused because it seems like mathematically it would not be in the middle if it's nine and three quarters. So I'm just wondering if you could clear that up. Who put you up to this? Did Angela put the, put you up to this? I don't know who Angela is. Angela's the treasurer of the Connecticut chapter of the Harry Potter Fan Alliance. Mm. Oh, I haven't been allowed in that group for a long time. Me neither. Well, okay. <laughs> well, here it is. Here we go. Um, I said I was, it's true, but I said at the top I was uh, the 11-year president of Magic for Muggles, mm-hmm. um, the Connecticut chapter of the Harry Potter Fan Alliance. Um, and I don't know if we said, but congratulations. Thank you. Um, but I was recently ousted. Um, uh, well, Did you say jousted? I was jousted. No, I was, I was ousted. Okay. It's not. And um, I don't know, it's sort of my whole life. Um, has fallen apart oh, since gosh. then. I'm sorry to have made that jousted joke. It was very funny, but I guess now, in retrospect, it was a little inappropriate. Yeah, yeah I thought it was funny right away, too, but then I remembered I was ousted. Yeah, I, I knew almost immediately that that was funny. <laughs> um, but David, then, then thought it was inappropriate yeah. because of your current circumstance, yeah. I don't want to pry, but uh, what happened? Um, so... Angela and um, some of the other people in the in the fan alliance read the underwater world of Harold Peters, and they had this idea that they, I don't know. They just kept saying I, I was ripping J.K. Rowling off. Who's J.K. Rowling? J.K. Rowling is my god. J.K. Rowling is the author of Harry. Harry Potter. Oh, yes, 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 of course. J.K. Rowling, they thought that you were ripping off J.K. Rowling's esteemed novel, The Casual Vacancy? No, I just said, no, they they thought I was ripping off Harry Potter. Oh, my God. I know. But how is that possible? I mean, like, there weren't even any Easter eggs alluding to the Harry Potter novels in your story. I mean... I don't know what it is. I think they had this big idea that just because mm. someone's named Harry and someone's named Harold and someone play, who played Hermione in the series is named Emma Watson and I have a character named Emma Watson that I was ripping her off. And um, Angela organized this coup and, um, well, actually, that's not how I got kicked out. I um, was caught... Um, keying Angela's car oh um and and they didn't actually catch me was this before or after the this is when I heard about the coup okay and this is how you responded to the coup I was very I was blinded with anger sure and um I keyed into her car oh my god a a Vada Kadrava with a key oh god you keyed in a Vada Kadrava a Vada Kadrava and uh, that is, is that a, a ma- that's, that's magic, sor- right? It's sort of that's like, like what a magician says when they do a, a trick. magician would say that it's sort of my catchphrase. Okay, and is this in the world of Harold? So Peters? you'd say like Adada Kavada, your car's ruined. Yeah, you'd say. Well, it's Avada Kedavra is a is a remember Colin unforgivable hasn't read curse. The series. It's okay. an unforgivable unforgivable curse amongst three curses in the Harry Potter series. I, yeah, I do think this does remind me of one. This is directly from the Harry Potter series, right? Yeah, so this is in, but, you know, I'm, I'm just 
Well, you wouldn't use that in the Harold Peters series. No, I wouldn't do it. Okay. Even if it is like sort of my thing to say that to people. Okay. Now, I can't imagine that she responded well to having her Kia Sorento keyed. I'm assuming that's what kind of car she drives. Oh, my God. You know. I know. It's so crazy. Angela sounds like a Sorento gal. Um, No. She was very upset. um, And I was... uh, She actually called the police. Oh, God. I spent the night in jail. Oh, Oh, wow. Um, David, I... I do want to say, I don't want to press you, and I certainly don't want to make you angry, but there was a part in your book where uh, they started reading uh, Harry Potter. Now, yes, I, I do feel like that is an illusion, um, and I think you must know you know, copyright law pretty well. I, I, I'm just yeah. wondering, what is the inspiration for that, and also how do you justify using this work that I guess you know some people would say doesn't belong to you? You know, when I sit down to write every morning, I just really want to express the joy I feel when I read Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. That's that's why I'm a writer. That's awesome. And so the most joy I found in, in my own writing was reproducing J.K. Rowling's writing. Mm-hmm. That seems and so fair. That, that seems fair. It seems fair, right? But oh. Amazon doesn't think so. They took oh. my oh. ebook down. I want to say, also, you cited... Your source in there. I feel like in the, line. You put yeah. it right in the. You told they so said I, what they were reading. I feel like. I mean, that's got to count for something. You didn't try to pass it off as your own. You no. cited your source. Well, this reminds me a lot of uh, Colin. You had your uh, photography series that you just opened up at a gallery mm-hmm. in Soho mm-hmm. that was pretty successful, mm-hmm. where you went around uh, to the Met and the Museum of Natural History, and you took a lot of photos of the paintings and the statues, yes. and then you put them up in a gallery. Uh, and a lot of people said that you were stealing the work of others. I was like, no. Have you ever uh, heard of parody law? You and making... does that apply here for me? Do you know about it? I invited a bunch of lawyers to like come to my showing and sort of help me get out of this I got to say, it looked very fancy because everyone yeah. in the gallery well, was in suits. I mean, it looked very fancy because... Uh, all the I took when I took the the pictures of the original work, yeah. I included the frame, yes. and then I put a frame on that, so it's like double, double frame. frame, yeah, and so it's very fancy. You're parodying the Mona Lisa by taking a picture of it, putting it up, and charging people to look at it. Yeah. That's funny. I mean, yeah, that's cool for you, but I'm not doing parody. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> this is just... not funny to me. Right. Okay. I spent right. the night uh, yeah. in jail. My Did whole you know life this, is... this was funny as quickly as you knew Michael's joke from earlier was funny, though? Even though... Oh, what was it I said? I knew... Oh, it was so funny. You said jousted instead of ousted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I said that? Yeah. Yeah. And we all knew immediately it was funny, but <laughs> not for you because of uh, no. your circumstance. And that's the same thing here. We all can agree that that was funny, but it not was so hilarious. much right now. Yeah, not right now. It's very funny. Not the time or place. My Sorry life about is in that. shambles. Yeah. Well, yeah. so what are you doing now? I mean, after this night in jail, I'm guessing that was like a blight upon your existence. Well, um, yeah, I, all my friends are part of this fan alliance, and so they, it was just so painful. I work at the library where the fan alliance is held. Cool. Um, so it's That's really cool. Really painful every Sunday, just to see them. Yeah. And they're, I'm like sitting. Oh, they I'm still sitting, meet there. They still meet. I'm sitting right next to them. I'm yes. just pretending, uh, pretending to file things. Yeah. 
just staring and watching them while pretending to file. Mm-hmm. And you just like mutter things to your, under your breath, like, oh, that doesn't go there. And then like try to file it where it should go. Yeah. That doesn't go there. Um, Let me put this where it goes. Have you thought about apologizing? Never. Yeah, that would show weakness. I wouldn't do that. They accuse me of stealing from, once again, my God, J.K. Rowling. Why? Why would I ever apologize to them? They should apologize to me. Yeah, yeah. I think you got it. You got to double down on this and just. Uh, do any of the other ones have cars that you could key with? What did you key the Angela's car with again? Um, it was a key. Yes. <laughs> you know, I recently got accused of stealing from my God just because I robbed a church. Um, and I agree that it's uh-huh. just something in there doesn't sit right with me. I feel like you guys are equating actual <laughs> crimes with what I'm doing. I'm well. Let me ask well, you. Also, a you got to hear about this church heist. Yeah, wait, yeah, you do have to hear. I, I would love to learn about. It's this. one of the biggest church heists in history. It was really impressive, Michael. Like, well, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, you know the priests with the funny hats. Yeah. Underneath every one of those is a stack of gold. No. Yeah. So what you got to do is when the priest is sitting down praying, you have to lower yourself from the ceiling, pull up that hat, pull out the gold, switch it with something of equal weight like a big potato, and then put the hat back down and then get out of there all before the chimes go off. (laughs) And don't forget, the angels don't want you doing this. So you've got a whole bunch of angels trying to stop you. And you you had to... Uh, you had to organize like a crack team to pull off the Yeah, I did. I got a lot of my friends who do crack to come and help me. And what they did, I just set them loose throughout the church. They ran around naked. This was during a sermon. Um, and they so you bit. got the older boys chasing the naked guys going, get yeah. out of here. Get out. And, and the naked guys were anything. biting a lot of people. They're like the incense uh, thing. Oh so there's just smokes everywhere. There's mm-hmm. naked dudes everywhere. Meanwhile, I was about to go. And then what catches my eye? The collection basket. And I think, Papa want... So <laughs> you had, but you had all the gold. You wanted all the collection back. Yeah, there was about forty-five bucks in there. Oh wow! So I went in. People I, were feeling extra generous that I day. I pretended to be a leper uh, to get in because I know you know church love leper. And I grabbed the basket and I said, "Oh, that's what take it says it in Latin on the on the do- yes. <laughs> on the doors." Semper oh. Fi yeah. means church, church love, love leper. leper. Yeah, church. And I grabbed it and I ran out of there. Um, and then later I came back at night and I stole a couple of uh, big stones from the base of the church just to put in my garden. But I wanted to ask you, have you tried publishing your novel? Um, yes. Um, so y- you may That's have exciting. heard. Yeah. Well, you may have heard me just say that Amazon took it down from the Kindle store. Oh, wow. So that's not publishing. That's just putting up an ebook. Um, right. No, no, it's public. I'm, and please, cor- if I'm wrong or if I'm overstepping at all, please correct me. But did you just publish a PDF on the Amazon Kindle store? You use the word publish when you... So it sounds like it's published. I hit publish. I hit yeah. the publish button. That's how you publish books these days, Michael. You hit okay. the publish button when you're yeah. writing. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll admit when I make a mistake. It doesn't matter. They, they took it down. I think Angela... You think she's behind this too? She's behind it too. Do you think, is it really that you're quoted or that you're, in her eyes, stealing from J.K. Rowling? Or does she just like, just have it out for you? And she's like finding any excuse. I think she just has had it out for me since, I don't know, since day one. 
11 years ago when I just said, yeah, I'll be president. And um, she just didn't have the hustle for it. Mm. Was was she, did she have a, was she the president when you said, yeah, I'll be president? Well, she was and about. And no one asked you? She was about to say, I'll be president, but then I said it faster. Oh, yeah. okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. You usurped her. I usurped her. Yeah. Uh, so it sounds she, like she'd been harboring a grudge. usurped her. Excuse me? It's like, it's like what you said with joust and oust. I'm sorry, David. Just shut up for a second. Okay. What the fuck is he doing? I don't know. He's coming on our show and trying to make funny, funny jokes? I, I thought we just wanted him to read. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to handle this. Hey, David. Hey. Uh, if you ever come at the king again, you best not miss. I will make your life... Um, more living hell than it is now. <clears throat> but let's just put that behind us. Um, and I just wanted okay. to suggest, you know, uh, maybe continuing just to write. Pour all these emotions, pour all these things into your writing. Do you have any new projects on the horizon? Yeah, um, I'm working on a new sort of, it's kind of a spinoff of the underwater world of Harold Peters. Oh, and cool. Yeah, it's called um, Working Title, uh, Don't Judge, uh, Amazing monsters, and where are they? Oh, cool. Okay, that sounds cool. That sounds awesome. Sort of like the same world, but a different. It's a different look at it. Yeah, different people. Wow. Well, that sounds really awesome. Thank you. Yeah. What are those? Uh, the the water the the big uh, the like the tornadoes in the water whirlpools. Oh yeah, you gotta have one of those in there. Yeah. Like uh, yeah. I'm oh, write could that you? Down. You could like re, you could well not that you'd steal it, but like mm-hmm. just take inspiration from like Twister. Oh, but, like make it happen oh, wow. underwater. And there's a bunch of people like chasing whirlpools and trying to like get them on. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I'll do. <laughs> I should do that. <laughs> you should do that. You should do that. And honestly, Collins had writer's block for a long time, so this is a major oh. step forward for him to help you out like this. I, you have writer's Did block. I do it? Did I have an idea? Yeah. Oh, God. Wow. That feels amazing. David Angelis, thank you so much for coming in today. And uh, real quick before we let you go, one final question. Uh, who is the character of Harold Peters based on? It's Harry Potter. Great. Thank you so much. Wow, David Angelis, famous plagiarist. Fantastic. That was really good. It makes me want to go back and reread the whole Harry Potter series just to really hone in on the things that he's stealing. Yeah, just really find out what he thought was so great and worth ripping off. Yeah, it's a really rich world to be able to just pluck details out of, and that's something I'd like to say to our... Uh, to to our aspiring writers who are listening. You know, uh, Picasso once said that a good artist copy, but great artists steal. And I'd like to just go one step further by saying greatest artists steal really good from really good stuff. Mm, Yeah. And rich worlds, much like rich people, are the best to steal from because they probably won't notice. And so, without further ado, goodbye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. For more podcasts, please visit foreverdogproductions.com.